Hey, you guys, I'm super excited because in this episode, we're going to break down something that Elisha says all the time. And that is, I just want to live a low drag, high impact life. And I feel like it's really become our motto when it comes to making decisions. And so we're just going to break that down and how that looks in different areas of our life. And hopefully you guys will enjoy it as we go along. But before we get going, I am going to ask anybody listening now that if you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a rating. You can just click the five stars on whichever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Or if you feel so inclined, you could leave a written review because we really love reading your written reviews that bring so much life to both Katie and I. Anyways, we're just grateful that you're listening. So please enjoy this episode. Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. And welcome back to the Now That We're a Family podcast, episode number 12. Katie, do you want to tell our audience what we were running around doing this evening prior to recording? Yeah, you know, we were really, we were, well, it was bittersweet. We were kind of excited, kind of bummed to be buying a new car. But then we were really bummed when we didn't end up buying the new car. Yeah, it's funny because I know that there are people out there that really enjoy the car shopping and the gar- and the car buying process, but neither Katie or myself are that person. No, I mean, if you guys have seen our vlogs or any kind of Insta stories, you guys know we drive my old car, which is named the Hamster, and it's an old Honda Fit, and it's just, it's just beat up. But we can't fit any more stuff in that, and we can't fit a third car seat. So we've come to the place in our lives where it's just inevitable that we actually need a new car, and that's forcing us through through this buying process. Yeah, and I think it'll be a good thing in the end. But it's funny because neither Katie or I are really that excited about a new car. In fact, we love our old Honda Fit. It's tiny. It gets great gas mileage. We pile in there. The kids love it. We love it. We've got great memories in that car. And if we could continue fitting in the Honda Fit, I think we would continue just using that car as our one vehicle. Although I will say, I do think it's a good idea that we do need to buy a new car because other people have been worried for us. Like we've gotten a lot of comments (laughs) recently where people think we're like, I don't know, we just need help. Yeah. And um, it's like, no, we just, we just don't want to buy a car, you guys. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because since this car buying process began, began, which was pretty recent, it's like this week kind of that we started talking about doing it. Yeah. Well, we've been saving for the last like six months. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But it's gotten real like the whole car searching process. Yep. Yes. It's brought up this conversation that gets brought up actually pretty consistently in our household and it's 
based off of a phrase that I say. I think I made it up. I, I'm the only person that I've heard say this phrase. But I say that I say all the time, I want to live a low drag, high impact life. And uh, I know I, everybody defines drag as being different things. But to me, drag just is anything that I feel like is inhibiting me from taking the steps forward that God has before me. And it's funny because I oftentimes think of this verse in Hebrews. It's Hebrews 12, 1. It goes, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run the and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Uh, and so I think I've always found this verse a little bit interesting because it differentiates between maybe a weight that is that is you know hindering us from running the race as well as sin. So it's not just saying, hey, you know, lay lay aside the sin that's keeping you from running your race. It's saying the weight and the sin. Uh, because I think that, mm. that sin, that's, an, that's usually a pretty obvious thing that's keeping us from running our race with endurance. Um, and those are obvious things, lust, greed, anger, bitterness, you know, self the lack of self-control. Those are things that just as a Christian, they, in, they inhibit you from being the person that you are called to be in Christ. And from, I think, having the effective ministry that, that every Christian is called to have in their own unique way. But then there are other things in addition to sin that I think can keep us from living an optimal you know, life of ministry and, and being as effective as possible. And so we've kind of broken down some different categories uh, of, of, for which we want to have a low drag, high impact life. And since we've been talking about vehicles um, and what we're going to buy, we've, we've been talking about this concept of finances and what best serves us you know, with our purchases. How can we maximize our dollars for this necessity? Right now, it's just a necessity. We need a vehicle to get to the places that we've committed to, whether that's a job or different concerts or different ministry opportunities. We need a vehicle that fits you know, now it's going to be all five of us so that we can go from point A to point B. And so you can say, okay, you, you do the bare minimum, you know, and just get you that exact thing. What I just said, a vehicle that gets you from point A to point B, or you can start upgrading to different comforts and then to different, I guess, perceived values. And, you know, with that comes more prestige with vehicles. Vehicles are just such uh, a topic of, or I guess it's such an emblem of where people are at in their life. It, it seems like people really take a lot of stock in the vehicle that they drive. And so we've been having this conversation about finances because finances can really be a hindrance to, at least from my personal experience, finances can certainly be a hindrance to what I feel like the Lord's called me to do. And, and I think we hear this all the time within the Christian community of like, man, we're, we, you know, like we feel called to do this, but just the money's not here right now. Or people maybe will rephrase it and say, we're waiting until God provides the money for us to take these steps of ministry, whether that's going to a place um, or whether it's building a new home where they can do ministry or building a building where they can do ministry. And so finance, finances and money certainly plays a role, I feel like, in everybody's pursuit of walking out the gifts that God has for them. Yeah, and along with that, I think a big part of the drag can be debt. You mentioned not having the money, and then there's actually not having the money and not having the money. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Double, double. <laughs> double, double. But it's like you're below zero. It's not like you don't have the money to move forward. Sure. It's like you're still paying on things that you don't technically even own yet. Yeah. And I think that was a big discussion for us just surrounding this car issue mm -hmm. because you and I 
have paid cash for everything yep. our whole lives. Yes. And so now we're trying to decide, you know, do we make that payment? What payment is worth it to us? Because there's other types of drag too when it comes to, for instance, purchasing a vehicle. And I'm just going to mention purchasing a vehicle because that's where Elisha and I are at right now. Yeah. Um, but you don't want it breaking down all the time and that's you don't right. want it to be a maintenance issue. Yep. And so where do you find that balance? That's right. Um, with the drag. Right. That's a, re- that's a good point because it's not just the monthly or the potential for monthly payments that could be dragged. Like you said, if you go the bare minimum and pay the least amount possible, then you have the potential of having the drag of a broken down vehicle or just a vehicle yeah. that, that doesn't work properly. It's a drag. <laughs> that's a drag for sure. And so we, Katie and I have been weighing the pros and cons to all these things. And it's been a really good exercise for us because then naturally it takes us into other parts of our life um, that are just monthly expenses because we obviously have monthly expenses. And I've my, I just have a huge goal right now to keep my monthly my reoccurring payments, my monthly expenses to a minimum, uh, and then to grow our savings. And then when we do need to make a purchase, you pay cash and then it doesn't feel like a burden at that point. You have it or you don't have it. And so that's really kind of our goal right now. And and so that conversation has been brought up once again. And I think that we've really enjoyed the last six, six to eight months, I'd say, Mm -hmm. because in our short marriage, I think these last six to eight months have been the first time that we've felt like we've lived well below our means. And that's been really rewarding because we've felt very free to give in, on, on, in spontaneous, uh, occasions, you know, or in spontaneous moments where we feel like if the Lord's telling us to do something or an opportunity presents itself, we have the freedom to say yes, or we have the freedom to take Mm -hmm. action. And that's a re that's been a really rewarding feeling. And and I think a cool experience over the last six to eight months. And I want to do my best to keep our expenses below you know, I guess what my income is, you know, live below our means, whether that's in the place that we're renting or potentially a home that we're buying. And of course the vehicles that we're going to be driving and, and all the big expenses of life. Yeah. And like you mentioned, just those little things totally add up to when it's a $10 monthly payment or a $20 monthly payment. Um, and I just think this is getting to be really popular. I think it's on a lot of people's minds. And even though they don't say low drag, high impact, I think just the minimalist phase of our life is really, it really encapsulates that thought Yes, because everything you own becomes a maintenance issue. My mom has always said this and it just has really stuck in my mind. And so is, are the things we're bringing into our home adding value or are they sucking energy? from our lives. Hmm. And I think that's just something worth considering because every item you bring in, it starts taking thought. Yeah. It takes space. It takes, does it take time? You know, is it going to take money? I think of even a car, you know, now we're paying insurance for two cars. We're paying gas for two cars. You're paying for tires, for oil changes, you know, so it's not just that initial purchase price, Yes, I guess. Um, and some things just take energy. Um, or are they causing stress? So we mentioned cars on like a big scale, but on a smaller scale for me personally, I think of kitchen appliances hmm. actually <laughs> like you buy them, but then you have to like clean around them on your counter and you have to clean them when they're done and you have to store them someplace. And sometimes they break and you need to buy new parts. And for us, I mean, I've gotten so much heat, you guys. So many of you are like, why are you getting rid of your KitchenAid? But it's like, I'm just sick of the drag that thing is in my life. Yeah. Like I store it 
I clean it, I haul it around, and I use it once a year. Yeah. I'm just not a big muffin person. Yeah, the positive impact doesn't really justify the drag. Yeah, there's no, and but it's totally different for someone, like some of y'all who have messaged me, and it's a very high impact item for you. Yes. And that's awesome, but for me, it's a very low impact, high drag item. Yeah, I think that's why I'm really intrigued with this verse that I already referenced in, in Hebrews 12.1, because it says, laying aside the weight so easily, and you know, the, the, the weight and the sin, and I think that that sin is really objective. I already referenced them. It's just things that God has said, you know, are separating us from him. But then I think that that weight that it references there is probably more subjective to each person and what is un- what's unique to them. And like you already talked about, these it's kind of funny, you know, referring to the Bible ver- a Bible verse and then talking about a KitchenAid. <laughs> but it's kind of fun breaking it down practically like that too, kind of getting yeah. to that bare practical and saying, okay, is this creating drag in my life? Or is this a weight that's hindering me from running this race of being, a, whether whatever it is, a mother, you know, or just uh, a, a, yeah. somebody that's managing my home? Another, like, kind of practical example of something where I'm just... This is an example of where I'm at right now is my closet. So I just cleaned out my closet and my closet was really high drag because I couldn't find anything to wear. And I was digging through all these clothes, trying to find ones that weren't too tight. They were stained, like getting dressed was, it took too much time. (laughs) Okay. And so now it's a very low drag. And then I have five shirts, five dresses and five pairs of pants. Nice. That's it. But when I go to my closet, it's high impact because I look good every single day. It's only clothes I look good in. Amen. I can, you know what? I'll be (laughs) the first person to stand by that statement that Katie looks good every single day. No. And with every single outfit she puts on. Well, I just did this two days ago, so. And you've looked great ever since. (laughs) Thank you. You looked really good before then too, though. (laughs) Thank you. But it's just, it's less laundry. And I just, I just want to mention some of these really practical, basic examples of Mm -hmm. how we kind of apply this concept because now my closet is low drag, but high impact. Yeah. And I love it because you're taking this even more practical than I think I originally was taking it. (laughs) I was thinking more, I thought I was going practical, but I, if anybody's been listening to me, you know, in any, whether that's in person or on YouTube or on here over the last couple of months, I've kind of been obsessing with practical things. I've realized that I've spent a lot of my life, my young adult life, kind of more or less with my head in the clouds, trying to grasp the big picture, which I think is important. And I think there's totally a place for it. And, uh, and you want to know, you want to have a vision without vision, the people perish. And, um, but then I've realized that I've neglected some of the practical things that ultimately are what can lead you to fulfilling that vision, you know, or those aspirations that you have. And, and so I love that Katie's getting really practical with these things. (laughs) Something that I think is, like I said, a little bit more big picture is the topic of relationships. And when I think of relationships within the context of, of high, you know, low drag, high impact, Uh, It's easy to, I think, kind of put up some walls and and think like, well, I'm not going to start eliminating people from my life because that's not very Christ-like. And that's not necessarily what I'm suggesting when I'm talking about, you know, doing an audit on your relationships or when I've done an audit on my relationships. I'm more wanting to be aware of what different relationships, what role different relationships play in my life because I've found that. I'll have really good friends that I enjoy being around in into a great level, and they, they may be fellow believers that love the Lord and that serve the Lord, but we just don't have aligned visions for life, and as a result of that, it can kind of be a hindrance to me 
walking forward in the path that the Lord has for me. And that doesn't mean I'm going to cut that relationship off 100%, but it does mean I'm going to be well aware of the fact that when I go to an environment where I'm going to be with some of those people, that I'm going to be in far more of a giving mode than I am a receiving mode. Meaning I need to go in there feeling full, feeling equipped to give and to put out and not being ex- ex- not, not going in with an ex- expectation of receiving and being built up. On the other hand, I can look at some friends and know that for a fact they understand what I'm about, they know where I'm trying to go in life, and they know how to encourage me in that way. And I'll go to those friends intentionally when I feel like I need to be built up. And so... As much as I I do think that at moments you do need to eliminate some friendships, I don't think it's necessary in this context. I think awareness is the first step of being aware of of the different influences that you have in your life. And that might lead to the, the, the reality of needing to eliminate some friendships for the sake of you know, carrying on the, the journey that in the journey that the Lord has for you. But I've really found just the awareness of knowing which friends build me up which friends are just kind of neutral and which friends might even tear me down in my path or in my journey, you know, in this race that's set before me. If I'm aware of that, then I'm a far more, I guess, mentally prepared when I go into those situations. And as a result, I'm able to, I guess, come out for the better. And like you mentioned when we were talking about this, because we've talked about friendships quite a bit, you and I, you mentioned that really popular I don't know, understanding. It's like in all the self-help books. I don't know what you call it, but it's like, you're like the five people you hang around. Oh yeah. You're the common denominator of the five people you hang around the most. Yeah. Like I've just heard that a lot. I don't know exactly who to credit that to, but I think that that can really just fall in line well with the low drag, high impact, because if you're hanging out with those people the most, then you can have a really high impact on the shorter stints of time that you're hanging out with people that are less healthy for you. Hmm. You know, you can still, when you're a full filled person, you can go into those situations and be a giver. Yes. And you know, maybe it's a shorter period of time, but you're more concentrated. You're more present. You're more able to give in those situations because you're spending the majority of your time around those people that help fulfill you and get you, that are helping push you where you need to go and fill you up. Yes. A hundred percent. Because like I said, I think if you are a Christian, you understand you have this responsibility of, of serving people, of Mm -hmm. being a ministry, of building people up. But at the same time, you need to be filled up yourself and you need to be encouraged and exhorted. And so I think having that understanding of, okay, I want to pour into these people that maybe at first you think they're taking away from my quality of life or they're not building me up and where I want to go. But maybe that's because you have the role of pouring into them, but you do need to be well aware of where you're at in your journey. And are you full and in a place where you can give? And I think that's really what I'm getting to with this is that that's when those the those negative relationships become drag when you're going to them too often and Mm -hmm. not when you're, when you're going to them and you're not filled up when you're going to them and you're, and you're putting out, putting out, putting out, without getting filled up. And I just wanted to touch on this while we're just on relationships too. I think a lot of people view children as a high drag, low impact relationship. Wow. 
And I think that's why people can be hesitant to want multiple children because they're high drag, right? We don't want that drain on our life yeah. or they're taking away from this impact we can have in the world and in the workforce or wherever God's called us to. Maybe it's the ministry. Yeah. And this just came to mind as we were sitting here, but mm -hmm. I am just thinking of how much impact my mom, for instance, or Elisha's parents or my father have had because of the children that they've had in their life and just yes. the incredible high impact that you're able to have when you're pouring into your kiddos yes because if they're growing up to be believers and to impact the world for christ yes that is so powerful that's some of the highest impact you can have a hundred percent and i think that the impact is you can't even quantify it it's, just, it's eternal mm -hmm. the implications are eternal when you do have that mindset of, of pouring into your children and look at, looking at them as being somebody that's going to go out. You're pouring into them and you're building them up. And I, I cringe. Katie's just watched me cringe so many times, whether we're, we're listening to people on a podcast or whether we're watching a movie. And you hear this sentiment being, sentiment being articulated, which has been around for a long time. And in fact, I think I can't remember which movie we were watching recently, but a, a lady said almost verbatim, oh, I, it's, I'm not the type of person to settle down and have children. I want to actually do something with my life. She said something like that. Yeah, that was actually verbatim what she said. Yeah. I want to do something with my life and change the world. Yeah, I want to, I want to actually do something with my life and change the world, not settle down and have children. And I was flabbergasted with how that lie has been so accepted by not only the secular culture, but by the Christian culture as well, unfortunately, and thinking that you're sacrificing a greater impact that you could be having by staying at home or by having children, raising up children, that's so, that it blows my mind because I guess when I look at family, when I look at motherhood or fatherhood, I'm seeing that as having such profound impact, not just to an individual, but to the world. And that's such a huge statement, but I just stand by it so firmly that when you first and foremost pour into your children, you are impacting the world for the kingdom's sake in such a powerful way. So I'm really glad that you brought that up, Katie. Well, I think too, like just as a mother, it might not be, it's not instant gratification. Like the best things in life aren't instantly wow. gratifying. So maybe it does feel really low drag, very not impactful for the first five or 10 years. Yes. Maybe you are just in your house. No one even knows what you're doing. That's right. But over time, it has such incredible high impact. A hundred percent. I think that that's why it is such a challenging thing and such a dilemma for, for different parents, fathers and mothers, is that you said it's not instant gratification. You're going mm -hmm. day in and day out and day in and day out and you're changing diapers and you're disciplining your children and you're picking up after them and you're running them around to their various activities without them saying thank you. You know, or, or, And mm -hmm. they're not looking at you and saying, wow, mother, you're being such an example of Christ's love. I want to serve Christ for the rest of my life because of the way that you're serving me. You know, like as a young child, you usually don't say that to your parents, but when being faithful in your parenting and bringing them up with the nurture and admonition over five and 10 and 15 years, then the fruit of that, I really do think is eternal and you're not able mm -hmm. to quantify it. And it is the greatest impact when you put that first and foremost. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we went really deep there and then I'm going to jump a little more shallow here and just talk about weekly commitments. Okay. We're going to go back to practical here. Um, I've heard a lot of people say, 
oh, it's only once a week. And only once a week doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's actually a huge deal. And it can easily become high drag yes. if you aren't careful. And especially because when do you ever have one weekly commitment a week? It's yes. so easy to get one, two, three, four. Right, right. And so I just think Elisha and I are so careful to make weekly commitments. And we want to make sure that if we are making those commitments, they are high impact. Yes. And so, for instance, like church, that's a really high impact activity for us. Because when you look at it, it's improving our relationships with the Lord. We're getting taught. We're getting fed and hearing someone else's perspective on the scripture. Or maybe Elisha's sharing. Um, we're able to model our priorities to our kids. We're growing in relationship with fellow believers and people that are encouraging us in our faith and in our marriage. It's a bonding time for us as a family. We do the service as a whole family. And so it's a good child training time for our kids too. And I just think that's such a high impact activity, even though it takes a lot of time and effort. Yes. Um, and But some activities just aren't that way, yeah. obviously. But some activities you can make high impact. Hmm. So maybe they aren't high impact to start with. For instance, Elisha loves to play basketball. We've brought that up. If he joined a men's basketball league and he just went to the league, that wouldn't necessarily be high impact for our whole family. Hmm. But when Elisha is able to go and he's doing something he loves to do, he's getting exercise, he's working on a skill, Leon loves watching his daddy play basketball. It's like the best entertainment Leon could find. And then often, not only do I enjoy watching Elisha, but often my family would come. And so it was like a social time for me. I'd chat with either my sisters or other women who would come. And so it ended up being a high impact activity for our whole family. That's awesome. Don't you think it was a total I, oh, win when we did that? I mean, I'm, I'm really glad you view it that way because I love, <laughs> I love my weekly basketball games. It's such like, it's something that I totally look forward to for this small season of basketball. I'm curious as to what your perspective would be then Katie, um, on our, the volleyball league that we did because about a, almost a year ago. Yeah, yeah like exactly. Nine, I yeah. Like a year ago we started a co-ed volleyball league and I think that ran three months. Was mm -hmm. it like 12 mm -hmm. weeks or something? And it was every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. Oh, no, it was 8.30 to 11 p.m. Yeah. That was a big deal. <laughs> I was barely six weeks postpartum when we started. That's right. So I still had a long ways to go when it came to like, I don't know, just physical fitness. Sure, athleticism. My stomach was still <laughs> separated. It probably wasn't the smartest idea, to be honest. Oh, man. Um, well, the reason I'm not saying it was a bad idea because I've got, I think I've got very mixed feelings about it. It was a really fun time for you and I, because your mother was gracious enough to watch the kids yes. every Tuesday night. It was every Tuesday night. We'd bring Leon and Lucy over there and we'd put them to bed mm -hmm. at about seven thirty or eight. And then we'd go to our volleyball game. But over time, because it was a weekly commitment, it was one of those things that was fun the first week. It was pretty fun the second week. And then by week four, I think I was thinking... This is a huge commitment. I was kind of over it yeah, at that point. Right. And I think you're totally right. I think that was an example, a great example of we wanted to play volleyball. Right. It was bonding for us as a couple. I wanted to feel athletic again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was too soon. But um, so I think there were pros to it. But making it a weekly commitment yes. made it very high drag yes. and ultimately low impact. Yep. For the course of time, the tired nights, we got up exhausted the next day. And I think we 
just decided it was it was high drag low impact yeah and it's one of those scenarios where we probably just should have looked for an opportunity to have a one-off rather than a weekly commitment find an opportunity to go and play volleyball with your siblings that kind of scratched that itch got us you know active and and we were able to play together and i think we've done that in some other situations too where i've I've felt like, man, I really want to get some skiing in this season. I want to get a, I want to get a pass. I want to get a ski pass this year. Mm-hmm. Um, like an, a, you know, a membership. Um, but instead maybe I'll get like a three day pass and that does more than scratch the itch for my skiing for that whole year. And I think that stuff like that is far, far better. It's, it's low drag, high impact. And so I think that's good to differentiate yes. between those two. It's not saying that Katie and I don't think we should have played volleyball at all. It's that we kind of regretted committing to the 12 weeks of a weekly commitment in that scenario. Yeah. And like you said, it, it, yeah, it just wasn't high impact where I would have loved every minute of playing three games or four games over that three month time span. Yes. Likewise. Um, So anyways, just things to consider just with sports, Bible studies, extracurricular activities, even like trips to the store. I go to, well, my goal, okay, this is like in a perfect world. I go to one grocery store a week and I don't run to the grocery store all the time whenever I need groceries. And then I go to the grocery store 13 times a week. (laughs) That's what happens. (laughs) But um, things that help with that are like meal planning, budgeting, thinking through the week. And then when I go to the grocery store, again, this is really practical, but it's a high impact hour. I get 99% of our groceries for the week that hour Mm -hmm. and come home. And so it's just not a big drain on the kids or on me. So that's just another example of something that might be high drag. If you're just, you know, constantly trying to figure out what you're going to make, what you're going to buy. Totally. You know, stuff like that. And then you get the kids dressed and get their shoes on and take them to the store. It's a big deal. It's all a big deal. Yeah, and something that I think I've been thinking a lot about, something I think I've been thinking a lot about. (laughs) Have you been thinking about it or not? I have been. Now that I consider it, I can confirm that I've been thinking about this a lot. And that is my thoughts. I've been thinking a lot about my thoughts and how I think that your thoughts can create drag or they can create impact. And there are numerous Bible verses that speak to your mind and where you're putting your mind. Uh, There's the popular ones like, is it in Romans 12 that it says, uh, be ye trans, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Or Colossians three, seeing that you have been risen again with Christ, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. And then one of Katie and I's favorite passages is Philippians four, that whatsoever things are true and lovely and of good report, think on these things. And so I do think that where you put your mind is really important and it can play an instrumental role in creating a low drag, high impact life. And I know that Katie and I are working continuously on having a filter for our home and what we allow into our brains. And it's, and it's crazy because a lot of times it's even choosing to be ignorant of some of the things that are taking place in the world. Oh, big time. And, and not from a standpoint of, I want to stick my head in the sand and, and make believe that everything's rosy and happy out there. It's knowing that the details sometimes aren't really that important. When I hear of a mass shooting or when I hear of a catastrophe, I actually don't need to know the details in order to pray for the victims. I don't need mm-hmm. to know the ins and the outs and the, and see the gory photos or see the v- video footage to know that there is sin over there. There's evil. And then I need to pray have whole, wholeheartedly for those things. And it's remarkable that 
you cannot watch the news, you cannot read the news, and you will still find out about those big instances. And that's usually the amount of what I find out from friends or from going to church. That's usually all I want to know is that much about it. And often that's all we need to know. I think sometimes the more we get sucked into world events, the more we feel like we need to know this. We need to be educated on it. But sometimes it's going, okay, is this going to have a drag on my life for the impact that I'm actually able to take Mm -hmm. in changing something? If I was being more of an activist towards certain, I don't know, human rights or, you know, specific things, then yes, in order to have a high impact in those scenarios, you would need to know everything that's going on. Educate yourself. Exactly. But if I am just, if that's not in my day-to-day life and I'm just scrolling through Facebook and I see, you know, something about the evil in the world and I'm not planning on taking any action in that area. Sure. Practical steps. Yeah. Then to me, it's just irrelevant to my life right you can just pray and move on yeah and but you know saying just praying i feel like really diminishes sometimes the power of prayer and i know that's That's, not what you're doing that's true i'm glad you i'm glad you brought that something that i really like that our pastor says is he says prayer is not preparation for the battle he says prayer is the battle because we obviously are are in a in a world where we wrestle not with flesh and blood but with both spiritual beings and principalities and so when i look at what i'm allowing into my mind I can speak from experience that it can either cause big time drag because I get heavy hearted quickly when I start learning the ins and outs of the evil that's all throughout the world. I'm well aware of the fact that there's different evils in the world and I don't want to know the details. I just want to pray against them, pray that God takes his place. He, he reigns, that he reigns in the hearts of those that are, that he, that there's conversion in those people that are evil, that there's, that justice is served. I know justice will be served through God's working, but I don't want to kind of saturate my life and to start meditating on these things that cause drag to my brain and my mind. And then, and so doing my body, my overall demeanor. And can really steal your joy. It can steal your passion for where you are at in life. Yes. And I don't want my kids to see a mom that's just constantly burdened by the cares of this world. The Lord came, Jesus came to save the world. And that is his job. And we can trust him in that. We can take steps towards that when we feel he calls us towards that. But I think the Bible is very clear when it comes to what we should be focusing on in that Philippians 4 focus. Yes. Or that's what we call it. The yeah. Philippians four focus. Yes. He's clear. That is what we should be focusing yes. on. Yes. Yeah. And that, that exact reference, we should probably find that is it Philippians four, six through eight. I think, I think it's Philippians four, six through eight, um, where it talks about whatsoever things are true and lovely and just and pure and of good report. Think on these things. Cause I think a lot of if times there be any virtue, yeah, if there if be there any be praise, any, any virtue praise. I think so often we stop at truth. Yes. Well, it's true. And, Things that are making headlines are typically the most negative truth you could find. Yeah. Yeah. If, if there's truth in them, that's the really dark truth. It's not things that are pure and lovely and of good report. If there be any praise, if there be any virtue, they're usually lacking in those categories, if you ask me. So anyways, I think those are kind of all the things I wanted to touch on. Yeah. Those are just some practical ways, some big picture ways that when Elisha says low drag, high impact, I know what he means, and it really helps us make our decisions as we're going throughout life. Yes, 100% agree. And 
And you guys will be updated here in the near future as to what we decide to do with our vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were actually, we want, really wanted to buy the car tonight, but it didn't work out. So We did, yeah. Next week, we'll be able to tell you what we bought. Anyways, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you all of you guys for the reviews that you leave. I, I was just yes. telling Katie before this episode started, there's n- never been anything in my life that's given me so much energy, I think, as this podcast or, or maybe our YouTube channel because people are so encouraging toward, to us. They are giving us reviews and you guys are leaving ratings and uh, that just means so much to Katie and I. So thank you for listening um, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.